Welcome to The Marketect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Marketect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, we're going to cover how to succeed with a customer-centric marketing strategy. And there's two phenomenal individuals that are going to help us with this discussion. The first is going to be my co-host, Ryan Sorley, founder, CEO, Double Check Research, and a SaaS marketing veteran of Salesforce, Eloqua, and Marketo, just to name a few, the legendary Jill Rowley. Welcome, Jill. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me and us. <laughs> yes, I'm super pumped to be here. This is awesome. Actually, this is my first uh, podcast on uh, on product marketing. So this is uh, just a joy to be able to do. And Jill, that's uh, just before this call, you mentioned that product marketing would be, should be the first marketing hire for, for startup organizations, series back to organizations. And yet you haven't been on a dedicated product marketing podcast. So we're blessed to have you here. Awesome. Can't wait. So before we get to it, just indulge me for a moment. I have two fill in the blanks and Jill, we'll start with you. And then Ryan, we'll, we'll turn it to you. The first one, I am in marketing because. I'm not in marketing. I'm a sales professional trapped in a marketer's body. And my buyer was marketing and is marketing still today for 20 years that I've been in SaaS. Um, I've read more books on marketing than I have in sales. And the greatest compliment is when I get recruited for a CMO job and I have to respond, I'm not a fit. Um, here are two, three people who are fit, but I'm an evangelist for modern marketing and a champion of marketers. Ryan. Accidentally, I, I guess is the best way to put it. So my background is also in sales and sales leadership. Most recently before launching Double Check, I was a, a VP of sales over at Gartner. But during my time in research, I spent many, many hours listening to buyers complain about sellers of technology. So I decided to step outside of the world of Gartner to launch Double Check to try to bridge the gap between buyers and sellers, help them communicate a bit better. And I stumbled into the product marketing world as a result of it. I didn't plan on you know selling win-loss services to product marketers, but it seemed that the, you know the water settled in that particular spot. And I've loved the last eight years uh, supporting product marketers. So that's my accidental story. Well, th thank you both. I I'll say candidly that you're both. A ace up my sleeve because every time I read your thought leadership, whether it's on win-loss with Ryan, whether it's how to be customer-centric with Jill, it, it just helps me become a better marketer. So we're grateful that you're in the, in the space. Uh, second, fill in the blank. Jill, we'll start with you. My definition of leadership is? Um, helping people and teams reach their full potential. Ah, succinct, simple, powerful. Thank you. Ryan? Same. <laughs> um, so my definition of leadership is all about empowerment and trust. And at the end of the day, we all want to be led by somebody who sees not who we are today, but who we can be with the right mentoring and encouragement. Lovely. Okay. Well, so now let's get to it. Jill, uh, we know that our customer, they're fundamental to our strategic success, yet Shockingly, yet most companies are not customer-centered, customer-centric, customer-obsessed. They're preoccupied with their products, their marketing, their sales, themselves, quite frankly. Why more than ever is it imperative that we look at everything through the eyes of our customer? Yeah, because that's who we serve, right? And back to leadership, 
our role is to help our customers reach their fullest potential as individuals, as teams, as companies. And so if we think about the customer first and how do we deliver value to the customer, how do we help customers solve their problems, achieve their goals? Um, and we make every decision through the lens of the customer. We make every decision about our product, our positioning, our demand generation, our content, salespeople, right? They're not running a sales process. They're facilitating a buying process, a buyer's journey. And customer success and, and services and education and training, all of that has to be through the lens of how do we help our customers do better? And then also in terms of partnerships and ecosystems and communities, they all are about being where the customers are and understanding the customer and delivering, again, value, whether that's creating product roadmap on your own or co-creating product roadmap with your partners. Um, again, like it's, it's really through the lens of how do we help our customers win? I'll, I'll just add, you know, with the work that we do, we've interviewed thousands and thousands of buyers to find out why they bought from one company or, or another. And it's just so important, all the stuff Jill's talking about, how much success you put into those customer relationships turns into business for you and success for you as, as a business. And if people spend too much time in, in, on the sales and marketing stuff, not that that's not important, it certainly is, but if they take their eye off that customer experience and that customer success, they're doing themselves a great disservice. Um, so we see that we see that time and, and time again. But my question back to you, Jill, is when you look at uh, CMOs out there or VPs of product marketing, um, how do they harness their own customer-centric attitude? How do they kind of chart the course for marketing success? Yeah, well, it, 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 culture is an overused word, but it is. It, it has to be embedded in the culture of the company. And uh, we have to recognize and reward our, our employees who put the customer at the center of everything they do. A leader of mine that I've worked with, Alex Schutman, he talks about getting it done and doing it right. It's not good enough to get it done for your customer. You have to do it right by and for your customer. I think that Twilio is a great example of a company that puts the customer at the center and early days at Twilio, they had these red chucks, these red sneakers. I don't know if they were Converse or whatever they were, but they, their best customers would receive a pair of these, you know, red uh, Converse, let's call them. And in exchange, the customer actually had to give Twilio a pair of their shoes. And what Twilio did is they hung the customer's shoes from the ceilings in their offices. And so... Anybody in the company, when they looked up, they saw their customer's shoes. And so you're walking in the shoes of your customer. And that is just a great visual to bring the customer into your organization. I, I'm definitely going to steal that one. I mean, no better expression. Uh, so as it relates to influencers, industry influencers being, you know, that first essential step to charting a course to marketing strategy, who would you define as industry influencers? And uh, frankly, why do you believe establishing these relationships is, is crucial? Yeah, I think that, especially given the way that buyers um, have evolved over time, uh, and basically due to literally the internet, to digital, to social networks, buyers are having learning parties without us. And they're out in the market in their communities, 
talking to each other. And it really comes down to trust. So are buyers going to trust your marketing message and your salespeople more than they trust their peers or the smarty pants people who are actually doing the market research? So an example at Eloqua, jokingly, I was serious decisions, best salesperson, and I wasn't on their payroll. And the reason for that at Eloqua, and <laughs> rewind the clock, I joined Eloqua in 2002. So 20 years ago, as employee number 13, everything was new back then. The function of demand gen didn't exist. The function of marketing operations didn't exist. Marketing automation was brand new technology for B2B. And so I was in an evangelist role helping marketing understand how they could leverage data, process, automation, and you know, more holistically technology to do more measurable um, modern marketing. And there were new concepts that marketers had to, to learn. And so I would go to serious decisions as at that time, they were solely focused on B2B marketing. They then expanded to cover B2B sales and other, but I needed my customer to go get educated, not by me, Eloqua, the product, but by the industry who was teaching how to build frameworks and models and do best practices and bring their customers together. So industry analyst is, is one influencer, but there's also like consultants and agencies and peers of the, the, the buyers that you have. Um, it's everyone who surrounds the customer that the customer is influenced by. And so that's, you know, we could go even into more detail, but influencers and those are your buyers already learn from, who they trust, who they associate with, who they hang out with online, offline. Like those are the influencers. You've got to surround the, the world in which your customers live. So we, we collect a lot of data on, on that topic, the influencer talk, topic as well. And it's so great to hear you kind of list out all the different potential influencers to, um, to outcomes to help support the customer experience. You know, we, we always wonder, like, where does that influencer fit into the buyer's journey, right? And if you are the Gartner Magic Quadrant or the Forrester Wave, are you at the very beginning of that process? Or, you know, do you come in later on in, in the process? So when you, when you think about influencers and you organize your thoughts around all of the different people out there, do you have any recommendations for like, well, you know, this is the influencer for sales stage, you know, zero to, to, to two, and this is the influencer that you really should focus on when you're trying to close the deal when you've been shortlisted? Do you have any thoughts around the prioritization of those influencers at different stages? You've got to look at it through the lens of your customer. <laughs> so it is, you've got to really understand, and that's where the, the understanding of the ecosystem that your customer lives in is critical. So what you have to do is you have to do the research to understand um, who influences your customers and how and when and where. And so that can be very different for a company like Notion or Figma versus a company that sells enterprise software. So you gotta go figure that out, right? And that's where product marketing plays such a great role is they go, listen, it's not just the voice of the customer, it's the voice of the market. It's the voice of the ecosystem. So that, that's what I say. I, I don't have a straight answer. It just depends. Just like if you're like, okay, what social network should I be using? Or what social me media channels should we use? 
I wouldn't like, oh, TikTok's exciting now and Clubhouse. Well, are your buyers using TikTok? Are they on Clubhouse? Are the influencers who influence your buyers on TikTok or Clubhouse? If they're not, then you're wasting your money. So it's right. for me, it's like, be where your buyers are, be where the ecosystem is. And then when you, when you think of all, all of those influencers, you, you have, you know, analyst relations, right? Who works with the research firms, you have product marketing, who works with maybe some partnerships and you have other people involved in, in many SaaS-based organizations that, that align with these influencers. Do you recommend, and because they're all kind of separate groups many in many cases, do you recommend any sort of like centralized committee or, or something to get together and like talk about the influencers as a team to make sure that you have the right strategy in place um, and that you're connecting the dots from, from analyst relations to what the product marketers are doing? How does that typically work? How do you see that working? Yeah, I think orchestration is so critical. And we, we are so siloed in our businesses. And what we're not doing is looking across the entire go-to-market and back. So, so forward and back, forward and back, and in, in a circular motion. And the market changes and the customer needs change. And so you always have to be iterating on that. But for me, it, it is truly the interlock and the orchestration, all of the different functions within your organization so example, customer success, they're working with your customers. They're hearing things from your customers, maybe who the consultants are that they're working with, who the analysts are in the space, who they're, you know, what, what kind of content do they subscribe to? So same with your partnerships and within the community. And so I think, you know, it's hard, especially the bigger you are as an organization, to get everybody at the table. But there has to be a way. We get feedback from the market. We got to get more feedback internally and share that feedback internally so that, so that this is all stitched and weaved throughout your entire go-to-market. Jill, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the stitching together of, of who these influences are and how it affects different functions within an organization. So the more mature you are, you're going to have customer marketing, which is a discipline specifically for your customers. You're going to have partner marketing specific to how you uh, go and target and, and work with your partners. Uh, influencer marketing is becoming a prevalent discipline in quite a few organizations, a little bit larger. You, you, typically, larger organizations are, are building it up because the influence of communities and your buyers and bloggers and all these thought leaders in your space are crucial to, um, to your success. Because as, as Jill put it out there, you know, I love the phrase you used earlier, your buyers are having learning parties and, and, and sometimes you're not invited to this party. Uh, and so you have to make sure that the people that are in the party, uh, you're influencing them. And so influencer marketing as a discipline is uh, something that is becoming more and more um, prevalent. And who knows, maybe we should start the influencer marketing uh, community. Let's see. Yeah, and we're not talking Kim Kardashian influencer. We're talking the people who influence your buyers in yep. the relevant category solution set that you actually deliver. So I think influencer marketing has gotten a bad rap. And it, it really, we've got to think about you know, if, uh, Gartner just published a new stat that 43% of B2B buyers would prefer to have a rep-free buying experience. B2B buyers, 43%, don't want a sales rep involved. 
Okay, so if sales isn't going to carry the water, who is? Again, learning parties. Buyers are having them without you. So you got to be where your buyers are, offline, online, all the time. Be listening, learning from your buyers. So, so on, on the content side of things, um, when we, we start to look at the second step in, in your model, um, there's just so much content out there today. We all are just buried in it constantly, and it's hard to get our message out there. Um, I know, you know there's influencer groups like the product marketing community who has far reach and, and the respect of the product marketers out there. So their open rates are really high on their newsletters and people really consume a lot of the content that they put out. But it's hard today to, to get, even if you have a great piece of content to reach, uh, reach the right audience and kind of get through the noise. So do you have any, any recommendations on um, kind of content permeation distribution that's effective and that hits the mark each time versus just ends up in a, a delete content file graveyard spam yeah. yeah graveyard content graveyard there you go Rowan yeah yeah I am um, I, I think the content has to be clearly compelling and written for I don't really use the word audience very much because I'd rather refer to I'd rather refer to it like as our buyers and or our future customers or our customers or the advocates. And so I think that really understanding and writing content specific to them, content that is in a storytelling language, not, I always say that nobody tweets your data sheet. So data sheets might be important, but they're not going to get the, the amplifier effect um, that content can have if it's more, you know, tailored in, in the context of the customer. I think the content needs to be visually appealing and it, it, it needs to be humanized, right? I think that the content needs to be um, oftentimes like you've got your, your, your big content, which are like big research papers, studies, big white papers, but then you need to take that and, 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 and break it down. There's a gentleman who I've recently gotten to know, Alan Adler, and he's really promoting the go to ecosystem model, like we've been going to market again within our four walls. And instead of like looking at it from a go-to-market perspective, let's think about going to ecosystem. He has two different webinars that he's done on part two, part one of this go to ecosystem model. And from those two different webinars, he cuts the video into like one to two minute segments. And he shares those one to two minute segments every day on LinkedIn where the quote audience that the, the people in the ecosystem are and that consistency and that, oh, wow, I liked, you know, Monday's piece. I'm going to go make sure I read Tuesday's piece. That, that snackable bite of content that we can consume is I think uh, we're going to see more of that. So I have a lot more to say on content, especially distribution and leveraging your sales organization and your partners for better distribution of content. Uh, but that content has to be like, you've got to enable salespeople to actually leverage the content that marketing is, is creating. And you have to teach them how to leverage it in the context of their customer. Jill, considering our audience, this is the product marketing community after all, what role should product marketing play in the creation of this content that you're speaking about? So I think about content creation and content curation. I think about where content creation occurs is in marketing. And when I think about content to be leveraged by sales, that sales professionals are better curators 
then they are creators. And so content creation sits squarely under marketing's domain. And that content creation, again, the input on that content comes from one, the customer. Like I've seen companies do a really good job of saying they, they create their, their messaging and their positioning in the market. But then when they you know, have to iterate on that because things change, where they're getting their messaging as they iterate is actually from their customers. You know, Gong is a great product that now records customer calls and conversations. And so, and, you know, all these review sites and so forth, but, but using the, what the customer is actually saying, how they're describing the problem and how they've solved it and feeding that back into your product marketing and your messaging. Product marketing's role is the voice of the customer, right? And so creating that content within the voice of the customer and within the voice of the, what I call the ecosystem, co-creating content with the analyst or the subject matter experts, thought leaders that think about co-creation because you're going to get wider distribution because you're co-creating it with someone and then everyone's going to share it. And you're going to get this content amplification and this multiplier effect by thinking about co-creation of content rather than creating in a silo. So we've covered influencers. We've covered content. The third pillar of your customer-centric marketing strategy is community. And we know a thing or two about that and, and value it, but how can a community or how should communities enhance our marketing strategy? Yeah, so this four piece framework model that I think about putting the customer at the center, it isn't a customer centric marketing strategy. It's a customer centric go-to-market strategy. So my, my thinking has evolved. I originally wrote that post in 2017. Everything in it is absolutely still relevant, but more relevant today. As we've seen the buyer being allergic to salespeople, being allergic to being sold, we have seen more importance. And now we're in this community-led movement. Community is having its day right now. And I have the benefit of having been part of an incredible community at Eloqua. We created what's called Top Liners, and we created this community where our customers could come together and, and connect with each other connect with us at Eloqua, connect with our partners in the ecosystem. Like we created this community to create connection. Today, you see companies, they, you can you know, build the product and then create a community, or you could create the community and build the product for the community. I will, I will continuously talk about outside in. What is already happening? What communities do your buyers already belong to? Because they do. Your buyers are part of some many communities. And so go and learn from the community that they're already in before you make a decision whether as a company, you're going to build your own community. You can't build a community within your own company if you don't have the culture of the customer and doing things for your customer that might not even involve you, right? Creating this community, what you're really doing is you're allowing people to come together and, and, and share ideas and exchange um, and support each other and learn from each other. So um, I don't know if I answered the question well, but I, I, I just really can't stress enough about why community-led mindset, community-led growth is, is having its moment today.
there's a little company you may have heard of called Slack out there that certainly has helped the uh, the curve a bit on community formation. And and we uh, we we love <laughs> we love communities as well, like like product marketing community. And Slack has certainly enabled enabled a lot of that collaboration that, that we've seen. When, when you you give us a really interesting story about Twilio, and by the way, they would not want my shoes hanging from their ceiling. I'm pretty <laughs> sure about that. Um, but when you think about community, do you have any examples like the Twilio example that you think this company is doing? Well, you mentioned Eloqua. That that was one um, fr from a while back. What about today? Anybody really hitting the ball out of the park today with community building? Yeah, I would be so remiss if I didn't say Marketo. Okay. And although I wore red and bled red for 10 years at Eloqua, uh, the moment all of that really changed is the day we got acquired by Oracle. Um, because I was, you know, look, I'm not here to bash Oracle, but to tell the truth that Oracle um, is Oracle-centered, centric, and obsessed. And I came from, you know, 12 years of being customer-centered, centric, and obsessed. And so I knew what would have, uh, I knew the community wouldn't remain the same. Because the community will only be healthy if the, the company um, is community-led and, and customer-centered, centric, and obsessed. So anyways, I talk about Eloqua a lot because that's where the foundation came from for me, but I was at Marketo for 11 months and I was brought into Marketo in a C-suite role because I had the voice of the community. I had the voice of the customer. And so in the C-suite, I reported to the CEO, my job was to sit in every executive meeting and, and, and wear the customer's hat. It was so such a great role for me to look left and right and all around and think about the customer and bring the customer's point of view and the ecosystem's point of view into the conversation and every decision we made. Marketo, um, Kevin Lau, I, he and I text all the time today. He's actually created a customer advocacy, customer marketing course because what he's built at Marketo in a team environment, obviously, is one of the most vibrant, engaged, helpful, uh, loyal, um, excited community. And so Marketo for sure. But the movement now is that companies like Notion and Figma, they're actually more community-led. And the, the, the people that are using their products are creating smart templates. So if you go out and you just Google Notion and templates, there's a whole marketplace where users of Notion have created these templates and put them out into the community in the marketplace so that new users of Notion can leverage best practices and templates that already exist. So there's a whole, whole wave happening where your community is actually creating uh, valuable content and assets for your customers. So I'm going to ask a follow-up question, but it might be a, a bit of a surprise follow-up question to, to that um, context that you provided. You had mentioned earlier in, in your, um, your overview of community that you were invited to be part of the Marketo C-suite because of your you know, community, your influence, your, your, your kind of network, I guess, and knowledge. For the product marketers on, on the line here who you know, are looking up and want to grow into a C-level, CMO, board-level position at some point in their career. I mean, you passion is just dripping from you. Um, you're so excited <laughs> about the, the topics that you're talking about, and you have strong 
conviction and belief in in the areas that you're focused like what <laughs> sorry we're on this is a little off script but what what advice would you have for for those product marketers who do want to take that next step in their career and grow into be you at some point i here's the thing for me i could never go sell into it i could never go sell to the cfl i might be able to and I put sell to in quotes because I don't sell, I serve. I don't sell, I help. But those are not, I'm not passionate about it, right? I don't, I don't get lit up talking about uh, cybersecurity and data privacy and all these things that are like super important, but I don't get lit up. And so I think as a product marketer, you've got to think about what lights you up. What, what are you excited to learn what are you excited to be part of a conversation? What communities do you actually enjoy being in? If DevOps is awful to you, why would you go try to be a product marketing leader or a CMO of a DevOps company? I don't, I, so one is you've got to follow your passion. You have to know what lights you up. And I'm telling you, marketing, B2B marketers, go to market, they light me up. And so there is this, you know, of course, you've got to have great mentors and great champions. You have to always be learning. If you want to be a CMO, you need to be listening to podcasts, interviewing CMOs. You need to be in a network of pre-MOs, right? Pre-CMO, pre-MO, where, where, where can you go and get that exposure to what the best CMOs are doing? So you got to do your job in product marketing. You got to know product marketing really, really well. But if you want to be a CMO, what does the world of this CMO look like? Go learn that. I think that's your next community, Rowan, Priamos, a subset of the park product marketing community. Well, uh, you know, I'll shout out good old Sangram, um, founder of Terminus. He has a lovely community called The Peak uh, community and they are all about emerging CMO. So he's already doing goodness uh, there. So big up to uh, to Sangram and uh, the, how, how did you say it, uh, Joe? Pre-MOs? Pre-MO. Pre and if you, if, look, I didn't even think about it, but product marketing CM, CMO. So PMO, you could do the product marketing thing, but PMO is pre-CMO. All right. So the fourth pillar in your model is advocacy. And I know we've talked about that a bit already, but why is it so important? And, you know, how can you turn you know, buyers and users into advocates that will help you ultimately sell your solution and grow your business? Yeah. So this is, this is also another, Hey, let's stop about, let, let, we want advocates of our, of our, product, of our company, of our solution, of our people. Like we want our customers to be our advocates. Advocacy is earned. We have to do everything we can to be the best advocate of our customers to earn their advocacy. And, and why we put so much emphasis on customer advocacy is because customer advocacy is our flywheel. If you have your customers out there talking about how amazing it is to work with you, how well they've solved their problems. Um, I can tell you at, at coming back to Eloqua, I, it, it just is, it's, it's the foundation of my career. So I, I reference that a lot at Eloqua. A couple of things that we did, we did MPS really well. And we shared the MPS surveys with everybody in the company. And so as a sales rep, 
I read every single NPS review and I could sort them by tens down to detractors. And on a good day at Eloqua, I was having a great day. I'd read the negative ones and be like, gut check. Like, what are we doing wrong? What do we need to fix? How do we have to like address this? And then on a bad day when I was struggling at Eloqua, I'd read the good ones. And like, we're knocking this out of the park. We're home running with our customers. In 2007, Eloqua created these Eloqua Marquee Awards. Actually, we didn't even call it Eloqua Marquee Awards. We just called them Marquee Awards. And these were awards for our best customers. And we had one year, we had 176 submissions for the Marquee Awards. And they were written by either our customer directly or partners who were working with our customers. And these things were like the thing to win. And actually, if you, if I've, I've got the trophy right here. And the trophy, it weighs about five pounds. And it was designed by the person who designed the Academy Award trophy. And these trophies were a symbol of success and a source of pride. And our customers would have these in their offices and in their cubicles and their team members would walk by and they'd tell the story of the marquee award that they won. This one happens to be, um, I was honored to win 2011 Employee of the Year. And so as Employee of the Year, they gave us one of these marquee awards because this is the symbol of customer success. So we had our best customers who won the awards, who were then promoting what they were accomplishing in their careers. And by, by, by association, we were getting the benefit from customer advocacy in the community, in the ecosystem. And, and that just like, that's a, that's a growth accelerator. It's built such strong loyalty. You know, they, they, you're, you're making them feel great about themselves. Why wouldn't they just want to continue to work with you uh, forever at, at that point? And that's when you're showing that you're not just a vendor, right? You're a partner who cares about them as a person and wants only good things for them. So that, that's amazing, amazing to, to hear. Uh, learning parties, Twilio's red shoes, uh, your five pound beautiful Emmy designed uh, uh, award. I mean, it, it, these are tangible things that uh, truly customers uh, appreciate and uh, showcases your, your love for them. Four pillars to achieving your customer-centric go-to-market strategy, influencers, content, community, advocacy, love it. Last question, what role should product marketing as a function play in ensuring that their company is truly, truly customer-centric, customer-obsessed, customer-centered, what role should product marketing be playing? Product marketing is the voice of the customer, right? And it, it is making sure that, that that voice of the customer is heard. If you think about a physical office building from the, the ground floor in the lobby, to the executive suite at the tippy top of the organization. And so this customer voice and this customer lens, product marketing comes up with, you know, the storytelling and the messaging and the positioning. And one of the things I'll encourage product marketing to do is spend more time with sales, spend more time with customer success, spend more time with um, your academy, like a lot of companies have academy for, for training, spend more time with your partners in the ecosystem, because everybody needs to understand uh, the strategic importance of what product marketing is doing. 
and product marketing, ensuring that that the, the customer's voice is is heard across the entire organization, all the way back to product too. Because I talk a lot about go to market, but obviously the customer's voice has to be fed back into actually what product you build. Brilliant. I'm blessed. I've had two people here who are helping me personally become more customer centric. Uh, Ryan, the things that you do leading with win loss, it really just gives us a lot more insight that we can leverage into the products that we build and how we serve our customers. And Jill, your obsession uh, with customer centricity, uh, there can't be enough of that, especially in today's day and age where uh, the buyer uh, is, is in the driver's seat. And so if we, uh, if we ignore uh, being customer centric, customer centered, customer obsessed, then they will ignore us in turn. And so I appreciate all your insights. I love your four pillars. Thank you both for lending us your time. Uh, the product marketing community is uh, that much smarter because of it. So thank you so much.